0: Talked about the very first week of this series how that we're never the whole idea of the gift of the Holy Spirit is that we're never alone, we don't have to face this thing alone. This morning, we've already seen testimonies of how God has been there and things that he's, that he's doing, even when we don't think He's there. And then, week before last, we talked about the heart of the matter and how that the attitudes of our hearts have so much bearing on what God does and is capable of doing in our lives. Today, I want to kind of take the next step. And talk about the purpose of his presence. Let me know that he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit for a purpose? There is, we love it when we gather together in his name. We love it when we come and we worship him and we can tangibly feel his presence. But there's a purpose to that presence. Not to just give us tingles so that we feel good. Right? And so there's a power for the purpose. There's several things there. There's a power for the purpose of us sharing the gospel. How many knows that when he told us to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that he intended for us to be empowered to go do that? We know that one of his purposes is that he came so that we could live a purer life. How many you know that we need to live a purer lives, right? We live in a corrupt, messed up world. And that just going through life, that stuff gets on you. Ever been around a situation or a circumstance, you just kind of leave? You're like, I just feel dirty. You know, just because of the things that we see going on all around us today, we have those. But he, he came so that he could empower us to live a pure life. He came so that we could have an increased devotion to God. Shouldn't we be devoted to Him? Shouldn't there be something after what was done for us that we're devoted? Then the other question is do we desire His presence? Do we truly desire it? Does our desire line up with God's purposes for sending the Holy Spirit? Do we want those things? Do we want Him to lead us into deeper worship? So, those are the things we're going to be talking about this morning. Yes. We receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and, and but did you know that there's places in Scripture where it talks about how that there were those and Ephesus was one example where there was those that believed the message and they were even baptized in water and yet when the disciples came along and spoke to them about the Holy Spirit they said we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. Let me read it to you Acts. Chapter 19, verse 2, it says, He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. But that was one of those great moments. It was like, well, we're glad you asked. And they prayed for them and laid hands on them, and it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, just like what happened on the day of Pentecost. See, you can have an a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, but not truly be spirit filled. Yes, when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and He becomes active in our lives. But how many you know there's a the difference between having some and being saturated? You know, the great. I like to look at it this way. I like to picture the sponge that sits on our sink in the kitchen. You know when it's saturated, when it's, when it's saturated, you can't touch it without getting a little wet. You pick it up and, and wetness just drips off everywhere. That's what God intends for His people. He intends for us to be saturated with His Spirit. He desires for us because on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm not going to get all into tongues today. We'll talk about that a little more next week but the whole point i want to get in today is there's a purpose for his presence there's a purpose for his power and there's three things we're going to look at if if we're truly filled with this spirit if if the holy spirit is truly active in our lives there's going to be and there should be somewhere along the line an increasing of his presence in a life and a decreasing of of our carnality a decreasing of who we are or you might say as as um John the Baptist put it, he must increase and I must decrease. That should be part of the process. Another thing that we get from being from his presence is there should be a deeper form of purpose of, of worship. I don't know about you, and for some of you that have been spirit-filled, I, I've always loved music and I've always loved worship and that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, once I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, once His Spirit was truly active in my life, my, my desire, my deepness of worship jumped to a whole new level. I mean, I can be in a bad mood and, 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 you know, sometimes when I'm in a bad mood, I decide to get nice and help Kim by letting her come home from work to a clean kitchen. But there is something about when I go to do that and I put a little worship music on in the house, there is something about all of a sudden, I may have been a little bit kind of just a, not, you know, angry, but just kind of a ah, day and all of a sudden that, that presence just comes and something in my heart lifts up because I hear the praises of my God and my King being lifted up and there is something inside of me that stirs up and it's not long until I am bouncing around the house, you know, it'd be embarrassing sometimes as some of you guys saw. (laughs) Because I may not be a worship leader, but when I'm in my house, I'm leading worship. (laughs) Then the other thing is, when the Holy Spirit is truly active in our lives, we truly can become His hands and His feet extended. And so we're going to look at those three things this morning. First of all, increase and decrease how many know that we all have an issue with what i call selfitis? we all do we all kind of look at things as a what's in it for me kind of mentality right but how many know that when the holy spirit is truly active in our life it should somewhere along the line become less about us as believers, I believe that we're all guilty at times of making our pursuit even of God. Sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes even our pursuit of God is for selfish reasons. If I get closer to Him, if I do things just right, if I sit the right wrong things aside, if, if, I, if I spend more time in praying, then He's going to start answering the prayers for the things that I want done. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying those prayers, but we have to admit that sometimes even our motivation for pursuing Him has a little bit of a selfish side to it. But somewhere along the line, it needs to become less about us and more about Him. As I said, I I quoted John 3.30 a while ago, where I love this statement from John the Baptist. This is one of the ones that I have probably underlined 16 times in my Bible. He must increase, but I must decrease. Somewhere along the line, it has to be less about me and more about him. I think this is a huge key. If we in any way desire to improve our spiritual life as individuals and as a church, he must increase, and we must decrease. Let me know that he deserves the increase in our worship. He deserves an increase in our study. He deserves an increase in our prayer. He deserves an increase in our devotion. And by devotion, I mean we need to cut out some of the compromises that we make on a regular basis. Less compromise and more devotion. We need, when he comes, there needs to be an increase in generosity. Kristen said that so well today. It was so so funny. Kim and I were watching a, Kind of a... TV show that was what 16th, 17th century sitting, and, and there was, you know, king and queen and all this stuff. And there was this lady that was about to marry this noble person and that was very proud and had a lot of wealth. And they were passing people on the street that were in need. And, she, and his fiance stopped and put some, some gold coins in a, in a person that was very obviously down in their circumstance, his hands. And he kind of looked at him and first, like, You helped one of them? And Kim and I both stopped and we paused it in that moment and talked about because her statement to her hu- to her soon to be husband was, "If we can, we must." I thought, "Wow, what a statement!" Right there on time, mean, you know that even our stupid TV programs every now and then makes a small statement that's right. <laughs> and there was that act of compassion. And what a statement, and multiple times that statement was repeated to to this man was, if we can, we must. Let me know that we have resources, we have things that God has given us, and there's times and there's opportunities. If we're truly going to let him increase and us decrease, that there are moments that circumstances cross our path, that we have an opportunity that if we can, we must. What a great statement Kristen said when she said, we can't take our our dollar bills, won't be worth much when it's all said and done. Somehow our lives, our our actions and our prayers, He must increase and we must decrease. God loves us and He he blessed us with with a human will. Yet we were still created with a purpose. How many know He could have made us, Perfectly obedient robots. Right? Remember, years ago, I was trying to teach some of this point to, to a whole group of kids, and I kind of put it this way I said, Which is better? You can go by, cause I mean, you know, there's a, those little remote control programmable robot dogs were kind of a thing for a little bit. I said, Which would be better? A perfectly well behaved robot dog that you could push a button at any point and do exactly what you wanted to, or one that will come running up and welcome you home and jump in your lap because it loves you. He gave us a will, He gave us an ability. Yes, He has a plan for our lives. Somebody may have told you that somehow along the way you were an accident, but God formed you and He knows every detail of your life. If you're within the sound of my voice, whether you're hearing it now or later, trust me, you are not an accident. God has a plan for your life. It's a wonderful plan. It's a beautiful plan. And I promise you, your plans don't even measure up remotely to what he has in store for you if you will surrender. That is the biggest lie that I see people buy into again and again, that if I surrender my life to him, somehow my plans are going to get messed up. Well, you know what? Your plans should be messed up because what he has for you is so much better. The more you let him increase, the more you decrease, the more joyful your life is going to be, the more of a purpose you're going to have. But the truth is, we get to choose. His deepest desire is that we put him first. But we still get to choose. But here's the best part. True love says, I choose you. Now, I could ask you this morning, most of us would say, of course I choose him. But how many know it has to be more than words? It has to be a lifestyle. Daily choosing him over our personal wants. Because there's all, we're inundated. Everywhere we go, everywhere we look, we're flooded with all these things. You should be wanting this. You should be wanting that. We see all these pictures and images of people that seemingly have such a perfect life, and they have it all together, and they're doing something we know we should stay away from, but they look so happy in the magazines. They look so happy on our computer screens. And we see people that we know aren't living lives and we look at their images on, on social media and we're like, look how happy they are. No, they were just caught by the camera in that one perfect moment. But by choosing Him, we gain so much more. The Holy Spirit was given to us to empower us in this process of, making, of letting Him increase and us Decrease famous preacher, A.W. Tozer, said this. He said, we may want God, but we want something else more. And we get what we want. I'm going to say that again so they can put it up on the screen. We may want God, but we want something else more. And we get what we want most. Sometimes what we want and what we need are two different things. We need an invigorated passion for God, and the Holy Spirit brings that. That's one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. And what do I mean by passion? It's pretty simple. I looked up the definition of passion. How many of you know there's a thing called a dictionary? If you don't understand the meaning of a word, you can look it up. It's great. Here's the definition of passion. A strong, extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for something. Now, when was the last time you had a strong, I love that word, extravagant fondness or enthusiasm or desire for God? Not just a... You know, it'd be kind of cool if God did this or get that, but I mean a passion, a desire, a longing, a, a, to to get in and to have him do some things. You know, but but anytime you get into talking about something that you always hear well, there's no there's no point in in becoming one of those radicals. Yes, there is. I was telling a group the other night, I think it was on a Wednesday night hero back, I said, you know what? You You get accused of being a fanatic. Well, you know what? You break the word down, it means you're a fan that's addicted. And so, you know what? If that's the case, sign me up. I'm a fanatic. I'm a huge fan of my King and Lord. And I am and I'm absolutely addicted to his presence. So if you think that's an insult, it ain't. We ought all be excited to be called a fanatic. If somebody says, you're just a fanatic, thank you. Mark 12, 30 and 31. And you shall love, think about this, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Let me know that if Jesus answers the question of what is the greatest commandment, we probably ought to underline that in our Bibles. We ought to have it posted on our bathroom mirror. We ought to do everything we can to remind ourselves this is what Jesus said is the number one thing. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Guess what? If we're failing in the greatest commandment, we're failing. Remember when you used to take tests and the teacher would say, question number one and question number six are going to grade a higher level on whether or not you pass. I remember taking tests where they said that's a t- this is a 20 point question. You knew I better get that one right. We better get this one right. The greatest commandment must spill over into our spiritual life as a Christian and in our walk. We can't say that this is the number one commandment and and loving Him not be a huge part of our lives. And our prayers. And our lifestyle. And our worship. I thought about that. Can you imagine trying to win the love of your spouse if your communication sounded like most of our prayers? We're going to have some fun here for a moment. (laughs) Darling, I love you so much. I want you to marry me because it's going to be great. Every time I want to eat, I'm going to let you cook my food. Every time I make a mess, I'm going to call you to come clean it up. And when I'm feeling down, I'm going to give you the opportunity to just tell me how great I am. Will you be my bride? (laughs) But don't we do that with the Lord so many times? With the one that we're supposed to love the most. when we do pray we're in a mess and most of our prayer is Lord do this do that meet this need go before me in this where is the love where's the adoration where is the saying Lord you must increase and I must decrease Lord change my mindset transform me by the renewing of my mind help me desire to glorify you Where is that extravagant fondness of who he is? Where is that getting on our face before him and saying, Lord, I am nothing. You are everything. Help me to live my life to bring glory to your name. Help me to exalt you and to lift you up and to spread your word and to be the man and the woman you desire me to be. Instead of Lord, clean up my mess. Yet we do the very same thing to the Savior who died a gruesome death for our salvation. Where is the lavishing Him with our worship? Where is the quality time? Where is the telling others how wonderful He truly is? Moving on. Secondly, when His Spirit's active in our life, our worship becomes deeper. I mean, isn't that what true love is? Worship. You will never, ever, ever catch me saying a bad word about my wife. If I'm talking about her, I'm talking about what a blessing she is. How much more should it be that way about our Lord and Savior? We shouldn't have to work at this. This should be natural. Somebody says something, let me tell you how good my God has been. If you struggle in this area long time ago, I know I'm showing my age, but there used to be a um, little slogan that Apple put out. There's, There's an app for that. Whatever it was, there's an app for that. If we struggle in an area when it comes to this stuff, guess what? There's a Holy Spirit for that. It was sent to help us and empower us to do what we need to do. And if we are lacking in love for Him, guess what? He is able to help us love Him more. If we'll spend that time, if we truly love Him and worship Him, that will be a big part of our spiritual life. We shouldn't have to work at this. It should be a natural byproduct. If we struggle in the area of worship, then the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Paul, saying to his charge in first Timothy two eight, said, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. If the goal of our life is to love and to worship Him and to be in His presence and to have that presence active in our lives and to fulfill our purpose that He created us for, then we should follow the example that is laid out for us in Scripture. How many know that we were created to worship Him? That was part of the reason we exist in the first place. Can I ask you this? Not in my notes. But if you bought something you created something and it didn't function in the purpose that you designed it for, what would you do? Throw it out. We were created and designed to worship Him, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. I love when Kristen read out a, Psalm 37 this morning and all she did. On a similar vein, I had Psalm 100 in here. It's just five verses long. But this ought to be our attitude. If we're truly filled with this spirit, then this should be our the way our worship looks. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. I serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is good. It is He who has made us. And not we ourselves... We are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him and to bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. How I many know that ought to be the picture of our worship? Amen. Worship should be, a, should be a big part of our prayer life. You know, we tend to think worship is just the music time. No, worship needs to be a lifestyle. When something happens, we need to stop right there. Lord, thank you. Lord, I praise you for that. I lift up your name. It ought to be a part. Worship should be a part of our prayer. and Prayer should be a part of our worship. And it should walk hand in hand. Somehow we must get past the mentality that praise and worship is just a time filler till we get to the teaching. It is so much more than that. Our time together is about so much more than just education. It's about exalting His name together. And there's something about when we exalt His name together that brings us closer together, even as individuals, that as we corporate do corporately do that, His presence comes, and it fills the place. And we, we, we come making a joyful noise before Him. It says that we enter His courts with praise. In other words, if we don't have that worshipful heart, if we don't have that praiseful attitude, we can't even get in the door of His presence. Worship the Lord with gladness. Sometimes we need to tell our faces it's time to worship. Sometimes the gladness isn't evident. Worship should be passionate, a strong extravagant fondness, remember? Enthusiasm and desire. If you call yourself a genuine Christian and you don't have a heart of worship, you either need to get a new heart or do something to make sure the blood flow and the one you got is better. John four twenty four. Jesus himself said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm looking for a place. If you're, I mean, if you're looking for a place just to come and do your duty to the Lord once a week, and you're missing the whole goal. You're missing the whole goal. So what does it look like? How many know that we're all wired different? I realize there are some people that are just naturally more reserved than others. I'm not talking about how the, we all ought to come up in here and <clears throat> be jumping up and down and spinning around in circles. Although that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I think most of us, excuse me, I think most of us could use a little more freedom in our worship. Mm -hmm. However, we all have different personalities. There's different things we bring to the table. Some of us are naturally more exuberant and outgoing. But you know what I've noticed? The more people press into his presence, the more the Holy Spirit moves, the more he gets us In worship that sometimes all of a sudden those inhibitions begin to fall away. And we reach the place that we don't care what anybody else thinks. Because we're just here to worship the king. My mind always goes back to King David when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back in after it had been captured and was gone. And David was out in front of everybody. He had lost all this kingly stuff that somehow showed him to be of greater statue status. And he was just dancing and twirling and singing and just worshiping the Lord exuberantly. And his wife, when, she, when he came back in, said, My, the king made a spectacle of himself today. I love what he said. I will become more undignified than this. Because it reached the place, he didn't care about his status. Mm -hmm. He cared about who he was worshiping. So what would the results be if we got into that place? We just didn't care. We just worshiped him with exuberance. With that passion, with that extravagant fondness. What if we begin to, just on our own, fill up the altar area, just worshiping his name? You know what? Jesus said in John 12, 32, and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Now I know Jesus was alluding to his work on the cross. But guess what? That work is finished. And it's now our job to lift him up because of the finished work on the cross. And if we do that on his behalf, if we lift him up, blending our prayer and our worship and what the Holy Spirit is leading and desires to help us to do, guess what? As that environment is created, people will be drawn. It will become contagious. People may not think that that's the atmosphere they're looking for, but that's the atmosphere that deep down in their soul they're looking for. We're not going to out program some other church. We're not going to out program some other even secular deal. But if the genuine presence of the Holy Spirit is in the house, people will be drawn. That should be our goal. We do the lifting and He'll do the drawing. Lastly, this morning, we need to be His hands and feet. We need to represent who he is. We should exalt Jesus first and foremost because we are his representatives here on this earth. The only hope those individuals that we're concerned about have is if we truly represent him well. We are to be his witnesses. What did he do? He told his disciples to go and be his witnesses. But you notice he didn't send them out right away. He said, go. And in a sense, a little bit later, he said, but wait. Wait. Here's your assignment. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going away. And you're going to do all this. But before you even step out to do that, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. See, I love that about God. He doesn't ask us to do things that He isn't willing to empower us to do. We talk, how many know we talk ourselves out of so many things because we look at it from the standpoint, I don't have the ability to do that. That's not me. That's great because that's why He sent the Holy Spirit to help us. So we fulfill the greatest command. He will lead us from the first to love Him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. The the overflow of that is that all of a sudden we will care about the loss. We will care about our neighbors. We will begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. See, as we love others as ourselves, then genuine prayer ought to be a part of our prayer lives. If your prayer life is all about what God can do for you and never about what God, Lord, do something in my friend's life, do something in this person's life that's hurting, Lord, do something for this person that I know that doesn't know you, if that's never a part of your prayer life, you're missing something. Paul said to the church in Rome, Chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we all believe that, right? Then he goes on to say, How then shall they call on him whom they have not heard? Or have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know what I see there? I see multi level marketing. What I mean by that is. There are those whose job it is to preach. We're all called to love and to share the gospel, but how many know there are people on the, uh, that are reaching the other side of the world where I can't go? But I can help give resources to help them get there. That's the kingdom principle. If we all do our part and we all work together, if we all become His hands and His feet extended. I mean, just like that comment right early. if we can, we must. You know what? I, I may not be able to go to Scotland or South Africa or you name it. You could name the place. But guess what? I know people that are called there. And as God blesses me with resources, I can do what I can do here and I can also do what I can do to help them get to where they need to be. Because the truth is, when this is all said and done, and it's all over with, what's really going to matter is what we did for the cause of Christ. The rest of it is going to be a waste. And I'm not saying you don't provide for your family. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But how many know that God can bless us with those things? And when He blesses us with the extra things, we need to be willing when the Holy Spirit speaks, as we talk about this morning. Because there's been times in my life, I've had money set aside for something else. And I've been in a situation where God says, "Say hey, that money you got set up there, give it to this. And how know that no matter how holy you are, there's still that moment you're like, but God... I was gonna. Let me say this. I have never, ever, ever in my life responded to that voice that it wasn't worth it. He didn't take care of the other thing in a different fashion. Because souls matter. See, we can't just blow past this scripture. We have to be about spreading of the gospel. You know, yesterday, I got to share this and I'll begin to bring this to a close. We have this cookout coming up on the 24th. I know there's been a lot of people that have just been kind of shut down and bound up. And so the whole idea that this thing that the men's department is sponsoring is just to invite people, no strings attached, just invite people for a free lunch on Saturday, October 24th. Barbecue and the fixings, and we're just going to love on people. We're not going to present anything. Now, if in talking to somebody, the door is open, absolutely, we'll wade right in. But the whole idea is to let the neighborhood and the people around us know that we care about people And we're just people that loves people. And so yesterday, James has been doing this some, and I've got cards up here if you want some to invite some of your neighbors and your friends. I challenge you to pick some up and do that. But Paul Emmer and I yesterday went out and we hit all the houses and all this whole neighborhood back behind the church. And we knocked doors. I know people don't do that anymore, but we knocked doors. Matter of fact, that's one of the feedback that we've gotten is nobody does that anymore. Everybody le- leads on, on social media and, and, and mailers and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, there is still something about that personal touch. Now, I'll be honest with you. And, and, and this is what I do. There is still, to this day, in me a certain amount of apprehension about going and knocking on somebody's door that I don't know and begin to talk to them and interact with them. It is much easier just to walk by and quietly sneak up to the front porch and put a little door hanger, run off and run the next one. Right? But as Paul and I were finishing up and we were walking back to the vehicles, Paul said to me, He said, You know what? This was fun. He said, He said, I was all kind of uptight about this. He said, My mind was imagining imagining all the ways I could get rejected. Mm -hmm. And they never materialized. It was amazing how many times what was supposed to be just a quick one or two minutes here's your invite, we'd love for you to come join us would turn into five and ten minute conversations Mm -hmm. because somebody showed that they cared. I had one guy that we had gone up and finished one street. We came back to our vehicles to move on to the next location and he came back outside and talked to me for another 10 minutes. And the whole thing was we didn't, we didn't knock on the door and when they asked the door, if you were to die today, where do you think you're going? Heaven or hell? We didn't do that. You know what I did. Because most of the ones right here, I said, hi, I'm Pastor David Spiegel from the church right here. I said, we're practically neighbors. I said, we're doing a cookout on the 24th, no strings attached, just a barbecue lunch. I would love to have you come, come, come be a part of that and participate because we just want to get to know our neighbors. The overwhelming response was, wow. Nobody does that. Seriously, just a free lunch. Yes, free lunch. Come. Many times I saw kids that were standing there behind mom and dad, and I said, you know what? We're going to have bounce houses for the kids. We're going to have stuff going on. Just come and enjoy a meal and fellowship. We just want to get to know you and you know us. See, nobody does that anymore. And we make it so hard. Because when they get to know us and they realize that we're just people like them, that we're not some super holy, stuffed up people that we're approachable and that we care about other people, all of a sudden the walls begin to come down. Even in that moment, there were a couple of people that shared things that were going on in their life. Just because initially it was like, we just want, we care about you. And we talk ourselves out of these things. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but we can, we can put something like this. Hey, let's go knock doors. And man, nobody wants to show up and be a part of that. Because we, we psych ourselves out. When if we will step out and do what he's called us to do, and we will be his hand, if he will find out the resistance isn't as great as it is in our imagination. What do we do? We prayed over each and every card before we all gathered around. And we, I mean, when we first got them in, we laid hands on those cards and we said, Lord, may these find favor with the, in the minds and the hearts of people that they find their way to. And Lord, open the doors. Yesterday morning when I got up and left, I said, Lord, give me the right words to say in the right moment. to protect. And guess what? He does. But we have to get past our stuff and become his hands and his feet. Matthew five forty four, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I mean, oh, that's a huge one. When was the last time you truly interceded for somebody else? You want a friend to know Jesus? Fold your hands and pray for them. You know somebody that needs a physical healing? Pray for them. And ask them if you can pray for them. Worst thing they can say is no thank you. But what if they say yes, and in that moment you lay your hands on them and God comes and miraculously heals them? It's not going to happen if we don't pray. You want to get rid of an enemy? Pray for them and not against them. The best way to get rid of an enemy is to make them not one. What a concept, right? You want a better husband or wife? Pray for them. And then be to them what you want them to be to you. You want a better church? Pray for it. And serve. You want a better pastor? Pray. Not for another one. (laughs) Just for the Lord to make this one a little better, right? (laughs) And don't talk about others. Talk to God about others. See, the Holy Spirit was sent to help us. Ephesians 6.18 And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. How many know that it's always good to start with Lord before we start asking things. Lord, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. See, if we put it into practice, I dare you I dare you to show, I know we've put this out there, but I was encouraged this morning at 8 o'clock this morning. It wasn't a huge crowd, but we had people that were here that have begun to show up at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday mornings before the worship team gets here to practice and has begun to sit the atmosphere and pray over the service. And how many of you noticed that His presence has been so rich here the last few weeks? Boy, can you imagine if more of us decided to do that? Guess what? It would be perfectly okay to come be here at 8 o'clock and pray, go somewhere and get breakfast and come back by 10. How I many we know if we did that stuff that the Spirit would move? Pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. Pray for salvations. Pray for new families and new people to come in and to stay. Pray for healings to occur. How great would it be if somebody comes in with a disease and they leave without it? It's scriptural. Pray that Jesus would truly be lifted up. Pray for a personal revival in each and every one of us and in the church. And here's the best thing. The Holy Spirit was sent to empower us for all of the above. I know this has been heavy this morning. But I just feel this sense in my spirit, as believers, if we would get up and shake ourselves and shake off the complacency and become passionate about pursuing Him and asking His Holy Spirit to have His way, it's not a matter of whether or not He wants to move. It's whether or not He finds a place that is willing to let Him have His way. And as we continue to open up and say, Lord, come, have your way. It's all about you. It's not about us. You must increase and we must decrease. And as we continue to do those things, he will continue to come and he will continue to move. And we will see people set free. We will see people healed. We will see circumstances changed in people's lives. We will see souls. I'm believing. I believe we're going to see the day that in during worship, that people are going to come running. Forward and give their life to Christ before a word is spoken in any kind of altar call I believe his Holy Spirit's presence is that strong and that powerful because guess what we don't do the convicting anyway he does They don't come to Him unless they are drawn by the Holy Spirit. It is not our work or our job to save anybody. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to do that, but it is part of our responsibility to to help set an atmosphere where there is a freedom for those things to happen. And as people, we have to become passionate about Him. You know what? We live in a world and a time we're all aware of all the stuff that is going on around us. What we need is just a sovereign move of God. That will fix so many things. And I can't control what happens everywhere else here, but I can control what happens in my life and we can control the kind of atmosphere that is here. And I challenge us to seek God the Holy Spirit with all of our hearts. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back if they would. We're going to end with some worship, just inviting the Holy Spirit to be here and to fill this place. And if you were feel like you were spoken to this morning, that you know what? I really do need the Holy Spirit's help to help him to increase and me decrease. And I don't want you to respond. I want you to just come across the front and find a place and, and just pour out your heart to him. If if you're one of the ones that says, you know what, I want his presence to come and help me to worship him deeper than I ever have before because I just kind of have a problem, you know, because maybe you're one of those that, like I used to be, I used to always wonder, well, what's somebody going to think if I get a little carried away? I am past that. We all need to get past that. So If you want Him to set you free to worship a little, little more deeply and, and to then come and let's spend some time and invite his, the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to you and to move in your life. Maybe you say, you know what? I struggle in the area of being His hands and His feet. Sometimes I can, but I don't feel the must to do it. We're weak in those areas. He sent His Holy Spirit to empower us to do those things. We must seek Him. Next week, I'm going to go a little deeper into some of this Is my plan. We'll see what His plan is. But we get so caught up on the tongues thing and this thing and that thing. We're not seeking those things. We're seeking everything He has for us. And let the byproducts be the byproducts. Let's seek the Creator. So I challenge you as they lead us back into worship. Seek Him. Open up to him, cry out to him and say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me, Lord, that you would increase and I would decrease, Lord, help my worship to become deeper, help me to be more your hands and feet, and Lord, Lord, whatever I'm lacking in there, then Lord, let your Holy Spirit come and impart that in me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, let me become more and more what you intended me to be, let me to cast aside the stuff that has held me back and to pursue you with all my heart. I challenge you to come and surrender as they lead us into worship. If this has spoke to you, I know our comfort zone is to stay put right where we are. But I'm telling you, there is something about when you get out of your seat and you come and you find a place at the altar and say, Lord, that spoke to me. Do that work in my life. I challenge you to do that right now.